Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Tamil Culture and thanks for tuning in to Tamil Culture Spotlight on Tamil Innovator segment. It is November 2nd, 2021, and we are coming to you today from the traditional territorial lands of many indigenous nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people on what is commonly known today as Toronto, Canada. Uh, I'm Jessica J. Sudhasan. I'm an employment and human rights lawyer here in Toronto, currently the acting executive human rights at the Peel District School Board. Uh, but today I'm here with you all just to chat and to put the spotlight on a couple of Tamil innovators in our own community that are embarking on a very ambitious project, uh, the first of its kind in Canada for our community, the Tamil Community Centre, which will be located at what is presently, I understand, a vacant lot at 11 Staines Road in the Morningside and Finch area, right in the heart of Scarborough, um, which has for quite some time been a place that the Tamil community has called home. So without further ado, want to introduce you to some of the brains behind the vision for the Tamil Community Center on its board of directors. Uh, with me is Siva, Siva Vimala Chandran, project chair of the Tamil Community Center board of directors. Uh, Siva, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and also with us is Nadra Rodrigo, also a member of the board of directors for the Tamil Community Center. Uh, Center. Nadra, great to see you. Thanks for being here. Good to see you too, Jess. <laughs> okay. So uh, Siva and Nadra, if I may, I want to just kind of set the background and context for folks at home about what the Tamil Community Center is uh, based on the information on your website, just to set that background and conduct. Uh, in context. So uh, the Tom Community Center is intended to be uh, a dynamic, innovative, multi-purpose and non-denominational facility incorporating spaces and services to help the current uh, and growing needs of the diverse Canadian Tamil community. And we are a very diverse community with diverse needs. Um, and I think the intent is to act as a community hub from what I understand. So mm -hmm. uh, from the information on your site, you've mentioned that the center will offer recreational facilities in the form of a gym and outdoor playing fields, cultural facilities in the form of a library museum and auditorium uh, and multi-purpose spaces that can facilitate community hubs uh, through education and networking programs. Um, that sounds amazing. That sounds like something we need, <laughs> which I think is exactly the reason it's happening. So first off, big congrats on all the momentum uh, and the movement that's, uh, that's taken place on the Tamil Community Center. Uh, by no means a small undertaking um, and you all are at the heart of it. So, you know, I think folks may be surprised to know that uh, you all have embarked on this undertaking on a volunteer basis. Am I right about that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, that surprised me because <laughs> this doesn't seem like volunteer work, right? Um, and I came to know that from watching the uh, the town hall that uh, that you all held on October 13th, uh, which was very informative, and we'll definitely get into that later on. But well, yeah, you all have full-time roles. You all have full personal lives outside of work on, on the Tamil Community Center. So uh, to kick us off, hoping that you could introduce yourselves, tell us a bit about what you do, uh, and tell us a bit about why you're giving up your evenings and weekends to uh, put in this labor of love and bring this project to, to fruition for the community. Uh, Siva, maybe we can start with you and then hear from Deidre. Sure. So um, <clears throat> as Jess mentioned, my name is Siva. Um, I am the board chair for the Tamil Community Center. My uh, in my professional uh, life, I am actually the executive director of an organization called YUSC that actually manages um, two similar types of centers uh, at York University, which is located in Toronto, Canada. Um, one of those centers was recently constructed back in 2018. Um, so one of the reasons that I had volunteered for this role um, was my experience in the development process itself, 
um, that building, we had taken it from its embryonic stage from inception uh, to the end of construction. Um, and when this project came up and I, I had noticed that a lot of community organizations were backing an initiative like this, um, um, I had essentially accepted the volunteer role and flash forward two years later, here we are. <laughs> I'm sure it was a flash, right? Yeah. <laughs> Major, what about you? Tell us a bit about you and, and what this project means to you. Well, a few years ago, a friend of mine said, well, what's, what would you describe as your dream for the Tamil community? And I said, you know what? A Tamil community center. I just verbalized that. But um, the work I do, I do primarily research and writing, and I'm also a translator, literary translator from Tamil to English. Um, I started a Tamil study symposium at York University, and I also am really involved in arts and culture in the community. Um, I organize a bilingual reading series, which kind of turned into this multi-arts series. Uh, so I come at this project from that arts and culture side and the research side. So. Um, when we were invited to be part of this project, which at first I thought was going to be a four month feasibility study. <laughs> and then it sort of just went on, you know, um, but it was such a fantastic team of people that were assembled there. And um, it, it sort of gradually gained momentum and it was very exciting to, to be part of it and to find out the different ways in which I could contribute to this. And uh, yes, it, it takes evenings and weekends, but at the end of it, there's going to be this space where we can bring in all these human services for the demo community. So I'm very excited by that. Amazing. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, based on what you've said, Siva and Nadra, kind of a, a nice amalgamation of skills and talents that are needed to bring this project to fruition. Uh, amazing. Okay. So, so yeah, you know, hoping you can shed some light on the history and the context and, and the why behind the Tamil Community Center. You know, our, our community has has grown rapidly since the 90s. I think we were one of, if not the fastest growing community uh, um, in Canada, immigrant community in Canada in the 90s, obviously coinciding with uh, the difficulties back home and the violence we were facing as a community back home. Um, you know, and we've come quite a long way since then. Uh, you know, prior to initiatives like the Tamil Community Center, what services were there for the Tamil community here in the GTA uh, were we well served um, at the time while we were trying to make our way here in the GTA? I think those services did exist, but what we were looking at um, in terms of the community center was to find a location where we can streamline those services, right? So um, in our research, we found that um, you know, in South Markham and the Northeast Scarborough area, you had people finding, um, having difficulties sort of finding a community spaces, right? There's, there's a lack of um, services available to them. There's a need for cultural competency um, and service providers in that area. Our research showed that um, Northeast Scarborough, for instance, is kind of a socioeconomic kind of a dead spot, 
right? There's a number of um, challenges that are facing the residents in that area because um, their, their income, like, so you have a large number of working poor in this area mm -hmm. and their income after shelter is considerably less than people living in public housing. But what often happens like when, um, you know, studies are conducted around sort of health outcomes and so on, uh, they go into public housing in order to assess the needs of the working poor, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. But because you have people in this area sort of living in rooming situations and so on, um, you know, facing longer commute times to access work services. Um, and because they're living in these rooming situations and there aren't these uh, neighborhood improvement areas close by to them, they don't have the means to, to identify their needs in those kinds of data gathering processes, right? right. So um, this kind of tends to lead to an overall poor quality of life. Um, what you have are residents having a harder time sort of commuting to work. You know, it takes them a long time to commute to work. It takes them a long time to commute to access those services, right? Um, and that shows up in, um, in a number of lacks, like the lack of time to pursue professional development, the lack of time to pursue like um, health services and so on. So, and we saw that during um, the COVID outbreak too, right? Like you saw these large numbers showing up in Northeast Scarborough. So we're hoping a space like the Tamil Community Center can address some of those needs. And this is just sort of speaking of the, the needs. Um, we're, we're not even going into sort of like cultural resources and things that the space could provide. Um, yeah. Did, yeah, no, that did answer. So, um, from there and uh, maybe yeah, our- I would, um, I would actually add to that as well. Um, you know, our community has often been heralded as a community that has, um, uh, you know, achieved substantial socioeconomic development mm -hmm. in the very few decades that they have been immigrating to this uh, land. Um, but it's always important to note that there is still a large section of our community that continues to live in poverty. Um, that is not reflected in the data that um, Nedra is uh, speaking about. And, you know, in my experience, as well as, you know, in the opinion of our board, um, space and how we create culturally sensitive spaces plays a very active role in how to alleviate some of those issues. Um, and community centers, without a doubt, it's a no-brainer. Um, they are one of the most effective ways of creating these community hubs and providing a space for those services, et cetera. And to your question of, you know, have there been services that existed? Absolutely. And I think our community is a very resilient community, a very strong community. And from the time that we've been immigrating here, whether it be the Lansdowne co-op home, uh, you know, uh, in downtown Toronto, or, you know, uh, TSOC, uh, Multicultural Settlement Services, um, we've always in makeshift waves tried to assist and make that transition smoother for those coming here. But having a central space and having a resource like that for not just individuals, but community organizations to pool their resources and amplify their efforts, um, I, we think that will have a much more dramatic impact uh, in helping to advance the mission of organizations that have served our communities for many decades already. 
Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, you know, so let, let's, let's get into some of those cultural resources um, that, you know, the Thump community needs, um, you know, the impact of maybe uh, a lack of services or a lack of culturally relevant services for a community and, and, and what you're seeing in terms of what the community is asking for. Uh, what services are, and, and programs are they asking for, whether that be relating to mental health or counseling or support for the LGBTQ2 plus community uh, or general supports and services for our youth and seniors, which you kind of spoke to already, Nadra, in the context, I think, of COVID-19 uh, and the mm-hmm. pandemic. But, but yeah, what are you hearing from the community in terms of what they want to see in terms of services? Yeah, that's, that's a great um, point you made there, you know, because... Um, Vulnerable communities are made even more vulnerable when they don't have resources and programming, right? So when we're looking specifically at um, seniors or LGBTQ members, uh, community members with different abilities and uh, mental health uh, concerns and so on. uh, What we did is we conducted a consultation uh, survey within the community to have them identify, you know, what they would ideally like to see in, um, in a community center, right? So in our first phase of consultation, the community showed us that they wanted us, and this was based on more than a thousand consultations within the community. Uh, they told us that they wanted to see um, a cultural, like a, an auditorium space. Uh, they specified that they're looking for mental health services. And it was great to see that figure really high um, because, you know, like for a long time, I think there's been so much stigma around mental health, right? And to have a huge number of these surveys actually identify that as a, an area of need that we mm-hmm. need to focus on. Mm-hmm. That tells me how far we have come as a community, you know, more than even economic gains and things like that. Like when we're able to identify issues like that, um, that's, that's tremendously important. Um, we had our young folks asking for athletics and recreational spaces the community on the whole wanted to see some history and archival spaces, the Genocide Museum. Um, There were requests for a library. Mm -hmm. And again, we also had people specify things like wanting to see senior services, women's services, uh, disability focused programming. Also really good to see that, you know, brought up by the community. We had folks specifying like that they would like to see LGBTQ plus programming happening in this space. And then of course we have a huge number of community organizations that also participated in this survey. And um, they told us they'd like to see uh, networking spaces. They'd like to see multi-purpose spaces that uh, where we could have mentorship happen, you know, networking. So um, this was all, you know, on the one hand, you have research that shows, okay, there these things needed, but when the community comes back and they sort of, you know, almost perfectly reflect this uh, back to you, it, it makes your job so much easier, right? You don't have to go out there and make a case to them. They've made mm-hmm. the case for you, mm-hmm. right? So um, 
so it was important to us to have this whole process be data driven. And, you know, the community really came through in telling us very clearly what they wanted to see. Um, right. Yeah, and it, I, th I think that's a very uh, important point too. Uh, and really to highlight what Nidra just said, our entire process has always been on a principle of being data driven. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it was a research that we conducted uh, to secure, uh, you know, the 26.3 million from both the federal and provincial government, or when we were, you know, we recently released the pre-design of the center and the consultations that went into that, um, we have gone, uh, I would say, um, really above and beyond the, uh, the principle of duty to consult. Uh, and we really wanted to make sure that the spaces that we create are based on the feedback of the communities that will actually end up using those spaces. So both from an individual perspective, the thousand plus surveys that happened in the summer of 2019, or the over 153 organizations that filled out uh, the organizational consultation. Both of those combined give us a demand for the general user, uh, what they need from the space, but also you know, our intention is to partner with existing organizations and not duplicate mm -hmm. services and activities and having their endorsement to date over 120 organizations have actually formally endorsed this project. Uh, and being able to create the space and have them partner in the programming with us and making sure that they're also interested in uh, using those spaces and signing off on this is the right type of spaces that should come in the center. So all in all, it's coming out to be a very good, um, I guess, from the ground up construction, uh, both from a programming perspective as well as from a space perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the things that uh, stuck out to me, Siva, uh, uh, one of the things you said in the town hall, I think was that town community center is meant to be aspirational right um and that really that really stuck with me um going back to what you said Nadra, about what the community has clearly communicated and voiced about what they want to see in terms of services um it 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 seems to me to be a reflection of who we are today but also who we can be in the future um and i think that shows exact to your point how far we've come as a community that we can uh, have these conversations and create the spaces for them in a center that is focused on the Tamil community. Um, definitely see that reflected. Um, I want to ask what may perhaps seem like an obvious question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, I think one of the questions that people may be having, uh, you know, perhaps members of the non-Tamil community that are invested in, in, in uh, the Tamil the community center and what it could do for them. I think one of the questions that they maybe have is, you know, the lack of services. What, what do you mean, a lack of services? We have services left, right, and center here in Toronto, to your point, Siva, right? There are services. Uh, just got to look at your City of Toronto guide. Um, but obviously, I think the nuance that's missing there is it not being about a lack of services, it being about a lack of culturally relevant services. Um, and, you know, which then begs the question of why we need culturally relevant or specific services, such as the services that would be offered through the Tom Community Center. Why can't all services serve all people? Um, I think, I think I say it's perhaps an obvious question because maybe as members of the Tom community, we, we can maybe know uh, inherently what, what uh, services specific to us may mean, but Nadra, hoping for the, the people at home and maybe some of the, our non-Thumbal uh, viewers uh, who may be watching, whether you can just speak a bit about the significance of culturally relevant services uh, for the Thumbal community and, and the unmet need that they can offer. Right, so I would like to then look at that from um, like two angles. One is 
sort of um, culturally specific sort of services that you need, right? So having for newcomers, for instance, or for uh, seniors who have come here as a result of like traumatic displacement, right? Um, having services that in their own languages, and this is not uh, specific to Tamil community alone, right? The communities um, that have um, seen, like, I mean, there's there's been waves of refugees that have come to Canada from like say Rwanda, for instance, right? So having, um, having access to these resources in their own language makes it easier for them to communicate their needs and to communicate, you know, like um, health information for instance, too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's from the needs perspective. But there's also a way in which like cultural services, um, you know, from the wants perspective, right? Um, we talk about Canada as this multicultural country. Um, so these different cultures come here and enrich, uh, you know, the, this sort of the cultural landscape, right? So being able to provide cultural space, um, a space for cultural events to happen in that auditorium, for uh, people to be able to go and rehearse and have performances. And you know our community, we have like dance events happening, music events happening, right? Um, So to have a space where you can go and have those events, it's been really difficult and from my, background around the arts community here, I can tell you, it's been very challenging finding those rehearsal spaces and affordable performance spaces, right? Uh, So those are things that will not just sort of make life more bearable, but like really enrich it. Mm -hmm. And and when we talk about these needs, like it's not only Uh, the needs of the Tamil community, right? There's, it's a diverse neighborhood we're looking at. Uh, So we're looking at Black, Indigenous, Caribbean, South Asians, like um, who have very similar needs, right? Whose needs are not being met, you know, um, at the moment because of those, that lack of uh, um, neighborhood improvement spaces. So this is a space that's going to bring those services to them too, right? So, and, you know, we can look at it as a way of giving back to Mm -hmm. community here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I love that you started off with the land acknowledgement, you know, but this is another way in which we can acknowledge our presence here too, right? By giving back to Black Indigenous uh, POC communities. Mm. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead, Sibyl. Yeah, one thing I just wanted to add is I know that in your question, you had said, you know, like there's exist services and I just want to make it very clear, you know, when you take the GTA or if you take Toronto, for example, the history of how resources have been allocated has been very disproportionate. So, you know, Toronto is many ways, there's reports, you know, that call it like a tale of three cities, right? Mm -hmm. And the suburbs, whether it be on the Etobicoke side or whether it be on the Scarborough side, have historically been neglected. Uh, And you, you see... Um, a material lack of services and spaces where those services should perform. So, you know, what we alluded to earlier on in this uh, interview is when you look at the spread of existing community centers throughout the GTA, 
And if you compare that in proportion to the ones that exist in the Scarborough area, it is substantial. It's like night and day. You'll see the difference. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what we're saying is people don't just need services. People need services that are accessible, right? right? Services that you don't have to travel across the city to access. Services that should be within walking distance, you know, to a certain degree. Um, and in our research, we really discovered that disparity between the tail of these three cities. So when you look at kind of central downtown Toronto going up, essentially, wherever the subway kind of boundaries. And then when you look at the suburbs on either end, you'll see that disproportional nature of those services. And in many ways, and going off of what Nedra was saying, this is why this is not just a project for our community, who you know, highly concentrates in that Northeast Scarborough area. This is also a project for all communities that live in that Scarborough area, that the center is meant to be a public space. Mm -hmm. It is a Tamil community center, but it is for the full access uh, of the general public. And they will enjoy the amenities the same way that our community will enjoy the amenities as well. So in many ways, this project is not just about addressing the needs of our community. It's about addressing the collective needs of many communities that experience those same realities in the in this area. Absolutely, yeah, and and definitely going to want uh, want to ask about you know some of those cross cultural services as well later on. Um, but yeah, you know, to your points of, I think something you mentioned earlier was our our community being. Uh, heralded uh, as a community that has, you know, defied the odds or made our grand come up of some sort. Uh, I think, I think, you know, in our early days, that was perhaps because of the informal resources and services that we made available within our community, right? Not through things that were provided through, uh, through, uh, through government or through the city municipally. Um, and, and I think maybe we, uh, you know, maybe we make the mistake of thinking that we are uh, a community that is well established and and not still growing. Either we are still there are still new Tamil community members coming to Canada every day that need those supports, right? Um, mm -hmm. And and yeah, you know, I think for many of us, yeah, our story starts maybe in the '80s or '90s, but it's definitely ongoing. Um, yeah, gonna go, going to definitely get into some of the cross cultural services. Very curious about that, but uh, before we get into that, you know. Um, wanted to ask about one of the questions that came up in the town hall. Uh, there was a question that came up about, you know, transparency and communication. Uh, some of the sentiments that were shared by local residents uh, and community members was about uh, a general lack of awareness that the uh, Tom Community Center was, was even being pursued. You know, what did the consultation process during the pre-approval phase look like? Um, but, you know, as I understand, this is not a project that just popped up over the last two years. Uh, something that's been in the works for uh, for a decade, which I think is is surprising to people. Um, so, Siva, hoping you could shed some light on on what that decade long road has looked like, who has been involved in it, how it's transitioned, and and how it's culminated in the uh, TCC today. Yeah, absolutely, and without a doubt, and we you know we make sure to mention this as well that our our efforts on delivering this center is an acknowledgement of the several efforts that have been undertaken to deliver a center in some shape or form uh, over the many decades. I, I think as early as 20 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, and in many ways, like projects that did turn out and were successful may have been pursued in the same intention. Like for example, like I mentioned the Lansdowne Co-op, right? In many ways it's a co-op, but in many ways it also functions as a community center itself, right? So, you know, personally for me, if you ask me, is this the first center? No, I would actually point to the Lansdowne Club and say that, that was actually the original 
uh, community center that was very effective in what it did and continues to this day to be extremely effective in helping not just our community, but several other communities that are newcomers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to your point, I, th- I think the first thing is, yeah, there were several national organizations at different junctures that you know attempted to do it. And I guess my response to that would be development processes are extremely complicated um, because you need so many things to line up essentially uh, for it to become what I would describe as a live project. So you know you need a budget, you need ske- you need a schedule, you need to know kind of what the timeline looks like, mm-hmm. and you also need to know what you are building. Uh, and you know, I would say you know uh, when we started off this interview, we said you know we are working with a very talented group of people, um, and I want to first say that a lot of the organizations that had invested time into uh, putting in work to trying to construct a center over the last 10 to 15 years, they were a part of the initial group of organization that had actually endorsed the creation uh, of this committee that eventually became the Tamil Community Center itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so we work obviously um, with their support and we work uh, you know, keeping them up to date and involving them for their advice and expertise as required. Um, so the, tr- the transparency discussion or comments uh, at the town hall, one thing I will say is Development processes, um, they follow certain statutory regulations. So we, in many ways, are running, you know, uh, very quickly with this project that we have been able in two years, we've secured $26.3 million from the federal and provincial governments uh, through a grant system that only comes out every 10 years or so. Um, We had, uh, you know, with the support of almost every single city councillor at Toronto City Council, uh, had worked with um, the city of Toronto's real estate uh, wing to identify a location and by luck essentially identified a location that was dead smack in the middle of where the mm-hmm. highest concentration of our people actually live yeah. in the GTA. You know, And that's where I say it's a bit of luck and it's a bit of talent as well in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our approach has always been to be very proactive. So when you look at a normal uh, development project, whether it's a condo that you see being constructed, you know, down your street or a residential build, et cetera. The, the onus of duty to consult that's outlined in whether city planning or the provincial policy statement doesn't really elaborate to the extent of when those consultations need to happen. So, but every consultation that we've done to date has been in excess of what the statutory consultation would be required. So you actually only need to start community consultations when you formally start a municipal approval process itself. We haven't actually done that yet. Mm-hmm. So everything that you see on our website, whether it is internal community consultations or external, so whether it's the thousands of individuals that have filled out uh, the programming surveys or the 153 organizations, the 120 organizations that have endorsed this project that are internal to the community, or the over 30 to 40 organizations that are non-Tamil that work and operate in that area for the last 20 to 30 years that have also endorsed this project, all of those consultations have actually been proactive on our part uh, to make sure that we are shaping this project in a way that is ultimately very inclusive, that is being designed to the highest standards of the disciplines that would be reviewed when we do enter the municipal approval processes. And Mm -hmm. part of that municipal approval process is actually engaging in local community consultations with residents, et cetera. Um, so I think some of the comments, uh, you know, I thought the town hall went really well. 
Um, I thought we did a very good job that, you know, we have a very strong communication strategy. So really making our information as accessible as possible using different mediums, whether it's social media or listservs or whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, all development projects will raise, you know, comment, a few comments here and there or whatever it might be. Uh, but it's our obligation to address those comments. Um, so I think that the question was raised regarding outreach, et cetera. Uh, and I think the response that we gave at that time was, we are entering the municipal approval processes. So those are city sanctioned meetings that have to happen. The city cannot sanction those meetings without us formally submitting our uh, municipal approval. Um, so I think we gave the timeline for that. So that should happen probably early next year. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks for that. So, but yeah, and very informative about uh, more than just the, the last two years, I think the long road that it's taken to get here. Um, um, you know, like you said, a little bit of luck, a little bit of talent, and a little bit of nature manifesting it into uh, the, the universe way back when, and here it is. So, so thanks for that. Um, you know, Siva in, um, and Nidra, in the pre-designed study video on the Tamil Community Center YouTube page, which will be linked in uh, this interview down below, um, you know, you mentioned some of the guidelines, right, that are informing the Tamil Community Center's vision. Um, you know, consistent with consultation, which, which you just talked about, commitment to the environment, uh, respect, uh, respecting Indigenous communities. Uh, there are two others, but I'm going to stop there because I want to just focus on that last one. Um, you know, I think as a displaced community ourselves, um, you know, you can certainly understand the emotional and psychological toll of, of what cultural erasure feels like, right? Uh, and I think what that can do to the, the psyche and the spirit of a nation. Um, and, you know, I think it's something I grapple with, right? I think we really need to, to, to reflect and maybe grapple with what it means to be a settler immigrant community vis-a-vis -vis colonialism here on Indigenous land, right? We are on Indigenous land, as is the Tamil Community Center. So, um, you know, I think for many young and, and older Tamils, it's, it's, you know, as we lay deeper roots here, um, what we may be thinking about is what does our relationship with Turtle Island's Indigenous nations look like? You know, what are we communicating uh, as a community about who we are, what we stand for, what we stand against? Um, and so really curious to hear from both of you about what your consultation and what your relationship building has looked like with the Indigenous uh, communities that, uh, um, that are, are impacted and, and what they've communicated to you about what their intention and their wishes for the land. So Nadra, maybe we can start with you. Uh, well, we can, I think maybe Siva, you could speak to this because you'd uh, gone to meet with both uh, major communities in that area. But uh, what I would add here is um, one of the questions that people often sort of put to us is, okay, how much, like, what is the size of the indigenous community in that area? And, you know, we, uh, when we were doing our research, we looked at uh, census data and, you know, it um, looks like a very small percentage, like around 1% or whatever. But if we look at the, the impact of trauma in these communities, right? And, you know, recent discoveries in residential schools and things as well, um, as we think about that, um, I think one, uh, one thing that came to mind was, well, how much of the community is actually represented in this data? Uh, how much of that community will 
openly identify and self-identify and so on. Um, I was um, speaking to somebody in a health network recently, and they were saying that this is a legitimate problem, like that you, um, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of figure out these health co- outcomes because we don't know, like, you know, when the mm. community doesn't um, self-identify. But um, there's these roots of trauma and things that need to be uncovered as well. Um, so, but apart from that, I think it was very important to us um, because, you know, we end up working with indigenous communities in the different projects that uh, we do, Seba and I. And so it was important to us to engage in not just like consultation for the sake of it, but in meaningful consultation. And I mean, Seba, you can speak to that process a little more, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, um, you know, we've been describing this project as something that's been in the work for the last couple of years. And there's some things that were core principles of the project that started right out of the gate. Um, So in addition to our need for being data driven on the consultation side, one thing that we proactively did, and this was as early as a year and a half ago, the moment we got some traction with the city of Toronto and we started identifying potential locations for the project is we, through the um, city of Toronto's indigenous affairs office, we had actually started meeting with the indigenous communities that um, essentially represent the land that we are constructing the center on. And specifically, uh, there's many that have called uh, this land home, obviously, and you mentioned them in uh, your opening uh, um, land acknowledgement, but specifically for this project, the Mississauga of the Credit First Nation and the Huron-Wendat Nation uh, are the ones that um, from both the federal as well as the municipal level have been recognized as the ones for consultation. And we proactively kind of consulted with them. And, you know, we're very excited with this relationship and we're really excited about how that's going to grow and not just from a consultation from the perspective of getting this building constructed, but our consultations with them is I, I don't think that it's going to confine us to just making sure that we acknowledge and um, uh, we acknowledge and we um, showcase the history of indigenous history on that land. Uh, we are very committed and Nedra is actually the chair of the user committee that's gonna be responsible for this. Um, we are actually committed to seeing where possible we can incorporate meaningful programming of indigenous history and indigenous activities into the center itself. Uh, and I think they are very um, happy with uh, the discussions of how it's going. Uh, and as you mentioned, we did release a pre-design uh, and that pre-design and some the direction of the pre-design itself wasn't, yes, it's a Tamil community center. And when we were doing research, we wanted to design a direction for the center that was uniquely Tamil, but also something that the indigenous communities would also uh, appreciate as being reflective of some principles that they use Uh, when they consider architecture and development. And one of those principles is allowing the land to tell its own story and not imposing a building on a parcel of land, but incorporating the land into the development itself. And I think we did a fairly good job with that as uh, both nations, uh, both the Credit First Nation and the Huron-Wendat, not only have expressed their support for this project, but have expressed their support for the design direction um, of the project itself. Um, So those conversations are ongoing. And again, to what Nedra was saying, what does it mean for meaningful Indigenous consultations? Um, You know, I think land acknowledgements are good. And I think, um, you know, uh, 
um, being active learners of that history is very important as well. But we have an opportunity here that might be a legacy opportunity for our community of actually incorporating something more practical or more day-to-day, I would say, mm-hmm. into uh, the space that we're actually constructing for our community. And in, a, in many ways, that could be a very real-life educational experience for everyone that would visit the center. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I think, a pinnacle of solidarity building or a pinnacle of shared culture building uh, mm-hmm. that we're trying to encourage with this project. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think I think you're right on that. It is an opportunity here, right? Um, you know, like you mentioned, Scarborough is home to uh, several communities, right? Uh, the Black African Caribbean community, other South Asian communities, uh, and also uh, European uh, settler immigrant communities that have been there for, for quite some time, right? They all call Scarborough home. Um, and, you know, as we've mentioned, you know, we've, uh, we've made some strides. We've been here for about 56 years, 50 to 60 years, maybe as a community. Um, and, and I think that history and success has afforded us a certain level of, of political sway, maybe. Uh, you know, the, the Tamil community has, re- has received uh, strong support from, uh, from uh, federal governments and provincial governments. Um, and so I'm thinking that, you know, for non-Tamil community members, um, you know, the question for them may be one of not what we can do for the Tamil community, but what can the Tamil community do for me, right? Uh, where given where we're at as a community. So back to your question, uh, back to your, what you said about this being an opportunity, uh, a legacy opportunity, a cross-cultural opportunity. Um, you know, one of the questions that was asked, I think, during the town hall was, uh, was about uh, the the name, I think, you know, why why is it a Tamil community center? Why is it called a Tamil community center? Maybe not something more uh, neutrally named um, or something maybe less explicit, perhaps, perhaps another descriptive word in Tamil. But, you know, I, I think of the Armenian community center off the 401 in Big Park. Um, and when I think of it, I think of it really fondly. I kind of think of it as, as my community center because I've been there quite often. I'm sure a lot of us have for various Bharatanatyam or Sangeetam functions or, or whatever it may be, right? And um, it is called the Armenian Community Center. Um, and, and like I said, when I think of it, I feel invited, I feel comfortable. The name has never jarred me personally. Uh, I think of because how opening inclusive it has been uh, to our community and other communities. Um, and in fact, it's just made me appreciate the Armenian community that much more. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, would love to hear from you both on, you know, what you want the Tamil Community Center to look and feel like and, and what you want to communicate to the, uh, the other communities that are in and around the Scarborough area that could also benefit from the services being offered. Um, how do we, you know, communicate the, uh, the inclusive nature of this center uh, and how it can serve them and how are we going to you know, build those bridges just so, so that it's not just services for the Tamil community or services for the Black African and Caribbean community, but maybe services that can combine us both together and, and uh, unify a shared history. Maybe I can just start Nedra on, yeah. <clears throat> on this question. And I think you hit the nail on the head by, you know, mentioning our Armenian Community Center, right? And that's one of the long list of community centers that we can name throughout the GTA, um, Armenian Chinese Cultural Center, Japanese mm-hmm. Cultural Center, um, you know, the Aga Khan Museum. This is not something that is uh, trailblazing in, in, a, in a way of having a center named after a specific community that has been done several times, you know, probably dozens of times, and you can count the centers, uh, you can't count the centers on your, on your hands. Um, so I think 
our community in many ways was just late to the game of, you know, constructing a center for themselves, but that's fine. Uh, and we're doing it now. Uh, but I think what is common, and I think, again, just to use your anecdotal reference, is these centers, although in name they, you know, uh, represent a sp specific community, and I think they should, uh, and I think it's reflective of the fabric of who makes up, um, you know, the mosaic of what it is to be uh, living in a city like this or in a region like this. Um, ultimately, they are public facilities, right? They are not exclusive facilities. Their doors are not locked. The general public has access to all the amenities. And likewise, the general public will have access to all the amenities that are within the center itself, whether it is a library, whether it's a museum, whether it's the auditorium, whether it's a gymnasium, whether it's a common areas, whether it's the extensive uh, proposed outdoor landscaped areas, whether it's a field, the playground, the hiking trails, you know, the lookouts and everything. So the center, you know, I think hovering around the name as uh, an issue uh, may lead to some other, uh, you know, um, uh, discussions that might, uh, might come up. But I think generally speaking, um, this is not uncommon for community centers to be named. And I think it also goes off of um, our earlier discussions about cultural, culturally sensitive spaces and how you know, having pride in that representation uh, is a meaningful way of encouraging access to services and provision of services uh, as well. So I'll just pass it to Nandra after this. Mm. Yeah, I think um, you know, we should really be excited about other cultures. I mean, I, I grew up in Sri Lanka, but, you know, we used to go to the British Council Library, to the American Center, you know, um, to the Alliance Francaise, and uh, you'd watch different movies there and so on, right? So uh, when, I, uh, when I'd been in Toronto a few years, like the first place I went to for a poetry reading was called the Charta. Uh, downtown on Elm Street, um, and it's it was a little Hungarian restaurant where they used to have poetry readings happening in the basement. Um, so there there are so many exciting spaces. Like I've gone to the cult uh, the Chinese Cultural Center for events, you know, done workshops there, and so on. And um, there's the the Nia Center. Um, which is going to showcase like black artists um, in Toronto. Like that's that's coming up um, fairly in in central Toronto. Like there are lots of spaces to be excited about, and I think you know we should focus on that aspect of things um, to be excited about other cultures uh, because we've always felt welcome in those spaces, right? Mm -hmm. um, so. I think, you know, we can turn around and offer that same uh, thing here, right? Where we can um, offer people a welcoming space, one, primarily by making it universally accessible. And that's part of, you know, the design uh, plan as well. And, um, you know, and the other by making it a site where they can, where anybody can come in and access human services, right? Mm -hmm. And anybody can host their events. Uh, my my dream is to have you know this um, a surtitle machine like you know this um, a surtitle machine in the auditorium so that you can have you know text 
that goes um, that accompanies performances, you see it in the opera house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, it makes events more accessible. Um, so you know, if you could even attend an event in a different language and be able to follow along if the translation was available. This is the translator geek in me, sort of, you know, coming out. Love it. <laughs> but but these are the things you know you you can really get excited about, mm-hmm. right? So I'm looking forward to what uh, what different cultures will bring into this space. Um, yeah, I, I think that's. I'm I'm just going to be excited, and you know, let people uh, anyone who wants to have anxieties about it can can deal with it. Yeah, no, I think you're getting a lot of people excited. Definitely, I'm definitely excited. Um, so yeah, you know, I wanted to kind of uh, wrap up maybe by addressing the last two guidelines um, that were mentioned as as the guidelines that are informing the Tamil Community Center's vision. So, you know, the last two, I think we're addressing resident concerns, so fun about that. Um, the last one was about, uh, I think, preserving Tamil culture and history and, and what does it mean to be Tamil, right? Um, how do we represent that in the design, but also the function of this community center, which I think we've spoken to, but, you know, that question of what does it mean to be Tamil? Yeah, good, good question, right? <laughs> um, for a community that is by no means a monolith, very diverse in our collective identity. Um, and, and I'm personally really excited to see how all those nuances of how we are as a community will come together um, uh, in a collective space. Um, but yeah, you know, so going back to what you said about uh, the Tamil Community Center being aspirational, um, you know, as we, as we wrap up, wondering whether you both could maybe just muse with me for a bit about, you know, what, what uh, the Tamil Community Center and what the, what the Tamil community looks like to you 20, 30, 50 years from now, uh, you know, as we continue to build and, and, and uh, you know, lay roots here uh, as a community seeking to meaningfully contribute, critically contribute to our communities, to our cities um, and, and to our neighbors. Um, and, and yeah, and how the Tamil Community Center can be a vessel for communicating that. Um, Nadra, maybe we could start with you. Muse with me for a bit. So, you know, we used uh, Sangam poetry as, you know, as guidelines in the design for this project, right? And there's, um, there are these lines from a Sangam poem that I love to quote, Yadamure Yavaram Kalir, which is all, uh, all villages are my village and all people are my people. And that is the, to me, the guiding Tamil principle, right? You know, we, we made, we planned the space to be non-denominational uh, because we want it to be as inclusive as possible, right? And so to think ab- about Tamilness, not in terms of what we can put a fence around, but what we can bring in, you know, and, uh, what that can be in terms of our responsibilities. You know, when we say all people are our people, that it's our responsibilities towards each other and our responsibilities towards the communities that have given something to us, but also just to, to our neighbors, right? So to me, that, that is what um, inspires me 
And, you know, it's been great working with a team of people who are similarly motivated. You know, this guy is very driven, right? Um, and, um, you know, our, our committee members, Kirtan Aram, she's brought so much into this uh, project as well. Uh, Nithin Shan, uh, Vidhu Ramachandran, Kamala Kibiswaran, uh, Doctors Shant Kumar and Lambodar, and you know we've got this intergenerational community of people of like different uh, who were born in different places and different times. You know we're an intergenerational community, but we came together for this project, and there's been so much sharing in that process. And you know, and I'm, I'm looking forward to more. Thanks for that, Nija. Um, Siva, yeah, your thoughts. What, what, what do we look like to you as a community, as a, the center 20, 30, 50 years from now? Yeah, you know, I, I reflect back at the many years that I kind of participated in various sorts of community uh, organizing or work, et cetera. And one thing that I always kind of reflect back on is there were so many people that could have contributed or could wanted to contribute, but, but their circumstances didn't allow them the time to do so. Right. And I think a, a center like this, what it could do is based on the services that it provides, um, as well as the strength that it will uh, it will provide existing organizations to amplify their efforts. We can help to alleviate some of those concerns and some of those conditions that may allow more, more uh, distant voices or not heard voices um, to be more actively you know, encourage them to become more actively involved uh, with the community as well. Um, and I think fundamentally, um, you know, this entity will primarily be a facility management entity as in taking care of the building and keeping it in good health. And in no ways is the center going to uh, um, dictate the diverse opinions that will continue to exist, I'm sure, within our community, but mm -hmm. it will be sure to provide a safe space for conversations to be had, uh, debates to be had, um, and fundamentally focusing on um, the immediate health needs, both from a space as well as a service perspective for the community that lives here and the communities that live within the areas um, itself. And I think that is uh, a gift that we could give the next generations and a center that could help um, dignify the lives of our seniors and provide them meaningful spaces uh, to socialize and um, you know, meet with their own friends and their own social circles, et cetera. So that's kind of the immediate and the long-term uh, hope that I think the center could serve. Mm -hmm. That's legacy, right? That's legacy. That's yeah. Siva and Neja, thank you so much for being here with me. I really appreciate it. Um, I know I learned a lot. Uh, I hope everyone that tuned in learned a lot too. Um, I know we as a community and, and I think the Scarborough community that's gonna be really well served by the center uh, are psyched about what this center can provide for them uh, and, and how, how the community can grow around it as well and grow with it. Um, so uh, for anyone that's looking for news and updates on the, on the uh, Tamil Community Center, uh, you can get all that from their website, tamilcenter.ca, uh, for all the latest updates on the project and opportunities to get involved. Um, that's it for me. Siva Nidra, thank you so much again. Um, thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you, Jess. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm Jessica J.T. Lawson. This is Tamil Culture Spotlight on Tamil Innovators. Uh, and thanks for being with us. And We'll see you next time.